Hello there, Angus. How you doing, buddy? Great. How are you doing there, Zane? Oh, I'm pretty good. I see you got a, a sound booth behind you there. Is that what you're in right now? Yeah, I'm in a little sound booth here at uh, the radio station I work at. Uh, just I'm in the middle of moving, so the apartment that I'm at, uh, it's very echoey. So I was like, well, I'll just move her to the radio station for the day. Thanks for joining us today, by the way. Um, I know you're, you're tuning in from afar there in Manitoba, so welcome. And uh, uh, how would we start things off today by you just telling the audience a little, a little bit about yourself and your career and stuff like that? Well, uh, so I'm Angus, uh, and uh, I don't know if I necessarily call radio my career. Uh, it's just something that I've always had a big passion for, and it was just something when I was a little kid. I was like, I want to be the guy on the radio. I think that's the world's coolest job. So turned 18 and ended up wanting to go adventuring and do the good old Alberta thing and go pipelining for a year or two, then go to Australia, go travel this and that. And then uh, ended up at a summer camp in Manitoba, did that full time for two years and then kind of got to the end of it, decided to go make money one more time pipelining and then uh, got to went to school in Winnipeg at Herzing College. And a year later, I found myself here in Dauphin, Manitoba. That's great. So it's obviously taking you uh, all over the place then. Hey, um, what, what's that program like? Is that a one-year program or a two-year program? Yeah. Uh, so the Herzing program is just one year. So it's nine months of in-class learning how to really just be confident on behind a mic. And then they send you off to do an internship. I did my internship in Lloydminster at uh, 106.1 The Goat. And if you're a big rock fan, strongly recommend you listen to that radio station. It is probably one of the best in Canada. Nice. I love my classic rock too. So uh, that's good to know, actually. I'll have to check that out. <laughs> no, that's cool, man. Uh, you're also a blogger, I see too. Yeah. So uh, while I was in school, I just thought I, like, I wasn't confident behind the mic. So I figured I'd force myself to become confident and podcast. So I had this podcast called A Slice of Beef. And I interviewed this guy by the name of Wanye Gretz. So if you know anything about Oilers Nation, Daily Faceoff, or the Nation Network, that's the guy. I talked to him for almost four and a half hours like it was a long podcast got to the end of it and he shoots me a text he's like you're in Winnipeg why don't you write for Jets Nation I was like I know nothing about the Jets and I have done nothing but complain about the Jets and said how awful they are for the last three years screw it let's go write about the Jets so yeah I've been doing that and then um, they shut down JetsNation.ca which was just a heartbreaker for me they're like hey you want to go do stuff for Leafs Nation I was like not really because Leafs suck so they came back to me a couple of weeks ago. They're like, what about Flames Nation? I was like, um, you know what? I hate the Leafs or I hate the Flames, but I respect them enough that I can write for them. So, yeah, let's get into it. So that's uh, that's where I'm at these days. <laughs> so you, you've been introduced to like a variety of different skills, then not just talking on air, but also behind the scenes with with camera work, with audio, with writing. Uh, is there any particular one that you like the best or do you like just doing them all kind of simultaneously? They all have their perks and value or like just their ups and downs. But the one that I love the most is honestly meme making. I do that on a regular basis. I find the most ridiculous photos of hockey players and somehow turn them into memes. So it just that's my favorite part of the job. That's why I really do it. But I love getting behind the mic and doing a podcast that's an hour long and really doing this. Once you ask for people, it's like, yeah, let's get to it. Yeah, you definitely have one of those radio voices. Um did you always know that you wanted to be on air or is that something you kind of gradually built yourself up to in terms of confidence? Oh no, I knew I wanted to be on air, but I've always struggled with the art of speaking. It's just one of those things that you you're either blessed with it or you're not. So 
I forced myself to learn. I have read so many books aloud within the last three years, and I'm still not up to the par that I want to be at. There's still guys I listen to. I'm like, if I could be half as good as you, I'll be all right. <laughs> Is there any uh, particular broadcaster that you looked up to back in the day? Uh, two guys in Edmonton, uh, Lane Mitchell. Uh, both of these guys were at Sonic 1029. So Lane Mitchell and Garner Andrews in the morning. I like Garner Andrews and Sonic. That's a good, uh, a good station. Are you, are, oh, you yeah. in, are you into that kind of indie sort of alternative rock scene? Uh, I was a few years ago and then it just, I found that alternative indie music has all really just become the same, same sounding music. And I threw it, I threw Sonic on last night actually. And I was just like, all right, let's see what's happening in the alternative world. And I was like, oh, these bands all sound like mother, mother. So I was like, cool, I guess. Uh, so because I work at this small station here in Manitoba, it's a lot of country and a lot of uh, classic rock as well. So I've really come to love country, which is something I never in a thousand years would have expected of myself. Isn't that funny? I was the same way. I thought I would never like country music. And then just one day out of the blue, I just started. It just came on on a Saturday night, which is kind of the appropriate time to listen, I would say, like a Saturday night when you're having fun. Um, I'm like, you know what, this, this, this gives me some good, good vibes. I want to listen to this a little more often. <laughs> yeah. So I went to a country fest, uh, just South of Dauphin here and man, it was the best. Paul Brandt came on Saturday night and I was feeling a little silly by that point when he came on and he did Alberta bound and I'm a pretty soft guy, but he did Alberta bound. I'm just weeping the entire time. Like this is just so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's ironic. We got uh, Edmonton Folk Festival happening uh, right now as we speak. So yeah, I've been seeing a ton of photos of uh, all my Edmonton friends just checking that out for the weekend. I'm like, I want to go so bad to Folk Fest, but unfortunately, I just don't have the time to rip out to Edmonton for a full weekend of great music. Yeah, fair enough. Have you been before? No, Folk Fest is one of the few festivals I haven't done, actually. It just for whatever reason, it just, it's in that awkward time of August where it's like, I'm always busy during that weekend. Yeah. I, I hear you on that one. I, I got guests scheduled all throughout August as well. And so like my, my weekends are quite booked up. So I didn't really have much of a chance to get out there myself, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, no, Angus, uh, let's uh, shift gears a little bit here too. Um, you write for Jets Nation, which is the equivalent to Oiler Nation here, right? Yeah. So, uh, what, what are your, what are your thoughts on, uh, our two differing cities? You live in Winnipeg. I live in Edmonton, uh, slash Leduc, I guess we, we tend to get some flack uh, on both sides for, for both of the same reasons I noticed, you know, being way up North and small markets and stuff like that. How do you kind of counter that argument when someone's kind of dissing your city with like positive things? All right. Yeah. So like Edmonton and Winnipeg, I've always looked at them as Nordic countries because Nordic countries get to minus 40, Denmark, Iceland, and just these cold inhabitable places. But people travel there in the winter. Uh, Iceland's got like this crazy festival in their capital city. And I, I know how to, I know what the city is called, but uh, basically it's just like a big techno dance party in Iceland in November. And everyone's like, oh, I got to get out of Edmonton, Winnipeg, or the prairies for november because it's too cold it's like no guys we just gotta love and respect our cities because if the nordic countries can accept that they're minus 40 cold and dark all the time then we can accept the exact same thing so yeah i don't know it's it's very interesting edge it's it, a lot of it's just edmonton ripping on winnipeg is one of those things i've noticed uh i i, I get it it's like oh well we can't be the worst 
you know what, like, I look at it too, from like, just like a general aspect, whether it's Winnipeg, Edmonton, or Canada in general. I mean, I'm the kind of guy too, that, okay, I really enjoy summertime. Summertime is beautiful. I love the hot weather, but then there comes a point where it's like, okay, I, I, I'm ready for something new. Let's go on to winter. Cause I like winter as well. I like Christmas. I like all the different holidays. So it's kind of the best of both worlds. Yeah, it is. But we also deal with the, like the most extremes. We got minus 40 to plus 40 and trying to explain that to people around the world. They're like, what is minus 40? Like, it's like, well, you step outside and your lungs hurt because you just inhaled cold air. Oh yeah. It gets to a point where like, if, if your health is at risk, maybe it's time to reconsider that, uh, that point of how good it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but also too, um, I guess technically, um, uh, Edmonton and, and Winnipeg, like from say like an NHL standpoint, we're like small markets. But when you talk about the broadcasting industry and, and you're over in Dauphin, uh, Manitoba, correct? Yeah. Um, how do you contrast that uh, working in a, a market such as that compared to that with maybe uh, Winnipeg, for example? Um, is, is there a difference in terms of uh, listenership and popularity for when you're doing radio stations in different cities like that? Oh, 100%. I mean, like, this is as small market as it gets for you. Like, Dauphin is the equivalent of Wetaskiwin. So, I mean, Wetaskiwin does have an AM station. It's not near as popular as uh, the station I work at. But uh, I, I don't know if I'll ever make that jump from Dauphin to Winnipeg Radio. Uh, it's going to be a hope and a prayer at this point. Like, I've got the talent. I just need to refine my skills. So, I'm not worried about getting, or like, I am. I don't think I'll ever have a radio job within Winnipeg unless I'm incredibly lucky. But uh, that being said there, I don't think there's much of a difference between the listenership of Edmonton and Winnipeg, but uh, definitely here uh, I can get away with a lot more than I could in Winnipeg. I don't get like awful political. I always just kind of state very known facts to people. If I'm ever kind of, I, I always push the line as much as I can. Um, a couple of weeks ago, like I do this on this day in history, and I know I couldn't get away with this in any major market in North America, but it was uh, the day of the Tiananmen Square incident in China. And I very jokingly said on this day in 19, I think it's 84, nothing happened according to the Chinese government. Don't ask them any questions. But for the rest of us in North, around the world, we all know this is the day that Tiananmen Square incidents happen. So very jokingly, and I, I put a little bit more pizzazz on it, but uh, I couldn't get away with that at a big market. I would get run out of that station immediately just because of fears in that. But my employers here are really cool. They let me get away with a lot of nonsense. So I like the small market. I honestly, if my partner didn't want to go back to school, I would probably stay here in Dauphin at the station because it's just, it's fun that I can screw around. I think I agree with you on that one. I think it's really nice to have creative control to like a a pretty high extent, especially if you have people that are running, running the show for you. Um, if you have that, um, that capacity to, to say what you want, kind of whatever you want to within reason, of course, yeah. um, it, it makes your job a hell of a lot easier because it's hard to navigate the terrain these days with what to say and when to say it and how to say it. Cause you could literally offend anybody at any second. Yeah. Well, it's funny about that exact bit is I had three people call me that day so two people are like that's actually hilarious good on you for taking your shots where you can a third guy's like you should never say that and then click hang out i'm like oh, okay cool <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's i think it's easy to say too because like when i when i watch netflix comedy shows like with comedians and stuff like i watch people like bill burr and anthony jesselnik so i i kind of 
have a relatively thick skin to things. I, I won't be offended too easily, but I mean, I still watch what I say personally, but I can, yeah. I can, I can appreciate someone that's got a little bit of balls to kind of go out on a, on a limb there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm probably going to get myself in trouble sooner rather than later. But as of right now, I've got the freedom to do kind of what I want. As long <laughs> as I don't cuss and talk about drinking all the time, we're all minty up here in Dothan. <laughs> That's great, buddy. Uh, I kind of wanted to bring this up a little bit today, too, since, you know, we're both hockey guys. We have to we have to talk about some hockey, of course. Absolutely. Uh, I want to gauge your thoughts first and foremost uh, what are your thoughts on Rick Bonus being the head coach of the Jets now? I love this move so much for the Winnipeg Jets. At first, I was like, oh, really? The guy from Dallas who hasn't won anything and he's been coaching in the NHL since the 1980s? Like, he had a cool mullet back in the day. <laughs> and so I was like, really? We're going to bring this dinosaur in? And then I, I watched a couple of Dallas Stars games uh, just with Rick Bonus, and I'm looking at that. I'm like, oh, man, if that's the guy... Like the Jets are actually all of this, all these moves that the Jets made last year that everyone's like, yeah, they're going to the cup final are going to like, everyone's going to play up to their potential here. So I'm liking the fact that Rick bonus has been hired by the Jets and they've got some good guys. I mean, uh, they just stole the Edmonton oil Kings head coach as one of their assistants. And I'm blanking on the other two guys, Scott Arneal. I'm not sold on, but I mean, apparently he's going to do well. So He's yeah, been around the, it, yeah, he's been around the yeah. block. Yeah, he's been around the block. I mean, he had to coach a horrendous Columbus Blue Jackets team in the early 2010s. So we'll see what happens. I, I don't know. I'm just excited. I drank all the Kool-Aid of, that I've been producing. So, you know, we're going to believe that the Jets are going to go all the way to the third round and no one can tell me different until until the Jets tell me different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've had some flack lately, especially with the Dubois situation. Everybody's assuming he's going to Montreal like sooner rather than later. Yeah, well, and like I, I have the very interesting insight of running these social medias for Jets Nation. And so I get to see some of the most horrendous uh, comments from people. And it's like, why are you so mad at this 24-year-old who like, wants to go play for his home or his, the team that he loved as a child. I mean, if someone was like, Hey, Angus, we're going to give you a call up. You get to go like two shifts with the Edmonton Oilers. I am taking that every day of the week. I don't care <laughs> what my contract says. I'm going to play for my hometown team. So everyone that's ripping on PLD kick rocks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I hear you, man. I'd be the same way if I was a, if I was an NHL athlete and the Oilers came calling and said, Hey, we're going to offer you this, please come over here. I would say, absolutely. They could but, offer me league minimum for five years. I'm like, yeah, sign that deal right now. We're good. <laughs> home is home, right? Home is home. Yeah. 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 And I mean, like I've, I've definitely made Manitoba home and it, it took a long time to become home. And that's the one thing that I've uh, talking to broadcasters in Winnipeg is once you're here in Winnipeg and Manitoba, you don't want to leave. There's something weird about this place where it's just like, yeah, come here. You just got like this chip on your shoulder. And you're like, who the hell wants to live here? It's minus 40. It's flat. There's nothing to do. And then you're here for a couple of years. Like, yeah, it's minus 40. There's nothing to do, but I love this place. <laughs> <laughs> What's that longstanding joke? Uh, I'm sure you know this. It's like Winnipeg has no airport or something. Is that Yeah. <laughs> So that is due to Coombsy from Oilers Nation. And it was just a joke. And like, it wasn't even something that was going to take off. He just kind of whatevered it. And then CTV Edmonton 
picked it up as a story. And I don't know if this was a spoof story or what they were doing, but they legitimately reported about this at the six o'clock news. And they're like, look at what the Winnipeg Jets need to do here, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, they have to fly to Fargo, North Dakota, and then catch a bus up every time they go on a road trip. And that just took off. And um, uh, just talking to the Flames Nation guys, they're like, yeah, no, actually, the city of Winnipeg has contacted us to stop making this joke. And they're really? like, oh, yeah, no, like, <laughs> Winnipeg hates that joke to such an extent. And I'm just like, there's some of me as a as a Manitoban Winnipegger who's like, I kind of want to stop this joke, but it's so funny that the city had to tell the nation network to stop this. So I'm like, maybe I should buy into this ridiculous joke just to bother the city of Winnipeg. That's funny, man. Yeah, I've heard that a time or two in the last couple of years for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so final verdict then, is Winnipeg a playoff team this year? Is Winnipeg a playoff team this year? If everyone buys into this coaching style of Rick Bonus, 100%. Now, if everyone wants to be a drama queen like they were towards the end of the year, not a chance. They will be a bottom five team. Fair enough. I, I honestly have a soft spot for old school coaches, whether it's Bonus or uh, Tortorella there, who's with the Flyers now. I just like their style and, and the way they coach. Just no nonsense, no bullshit. Just let's get shit done. If you don't get shit done, you're going to be on the bench. You know what yeah. I mean? And uh, it's a tough card to play though. Cause guys either respond really well to that, to that, or you completely lose them. And then you got kind of like how you saw with Dave Tippett and the Oilers there towards the end where they kind of, I think he kind of lost the room maybe. Yeah. Well, and that was a big thing with Paul Maurice in Winnipeg is he straight up lost the room and that's why he, well, allegedly why he left. And I mean, we could get into the conspiracies of it all, but where I don't personally want to get into it because I hate it when we bring politics into sports. Cause I think there needs to be a huge divide between sports and politics. There's, there's a time and place for it. Absolutely. But I, for the most part, I think that politics needs to stay out of sports. So, um, so I'll ignore the Paul Maurice thing there, but more or less, it's just like, yeah, you lose the room, you're done. And I think that um, Blake Wheeler and Mark Shifley are the worst for kind of letting that stuff happen because they just seem like, because they, because Blake Wheeler is the final Atlanta thrasher and Mark Shifley was the first ever draft pick by the Jets. It's one of those things where people, are, they think they can get away with a lot more. And I think with the new head coach here, they're going to figure out real quick that like, just because their buddy isn't the coach anymore. They can't get away with anything. And I think the fans and hopefully the media hold them to a higher standard this year, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. And you're totally correct too. Like without getting too deep into it, like sp sports are just like an escape. Yeah. That's and, all they should be. And I just don't like it when it gets too political because it makes me want to shut the TV off, to be honest with you. And that's, that's not, that's, that's not what you want. <laughs> no, no, no. And so like, with the Winnipeg Jets, Paul Stastny donated like 50 bucks to the trucker convoy. And I was like, well, as soon as I found out, I was like, I really don't care about that, like at all. And people were like, well, we have to make a big deal about this. I'm like, he's a multimillionaire who gave $50 to the convoy. Like, think what you will about the convoy. I really don't care one way or another. But if you're ripping on a millionaire for giving 50 bucks, like settle down. And so, and then there's some Paul Maurice connections there as well. So I'm just... I don't know. I just rolled my eyes and kept moving on with it. And I had to actually get into an argument with another member of Jets Nation about it because I was like, no, this is not how we treat athletes in this city.
Mm-hmm. Stay in your lane, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you want to be a political person, go for it. But don't be don't be throwing hockey players into the political world. I do like being that guy, though, like when it comes to shatter the glass, just being like the middle guy where like you kind of just you, you you throw a little insight here and there, but you just listen to like multiple other viewpoints and just entertain them all without taking like a huge definitive side and just kind of let everybody talk, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I that's why I like listening to this podcast. I've listened to a couple <laughs> of these. Yeah, straight up. If you got to be listening to these podcasts, uh, it just you always you you always stay in your lane and somehow it seems like we don't. We don't know one way or another about you. And that's why I, what I appreciate about you. Well, thanks, buddy. I appreciate you too. Um, yeah, Angus. So um, obviously, as you know, I went to Nate to the television broadcasting program. Um, and you know how the, pro, the the system works usually with uh, with any broadcasting school. Once you kind of get all your knowledge and your diploma and stuff, you're, it's kind of off you go into whatever job you can find, whether it's like internships or uh, paid positions, whatever. Um, can you kind of outline some of the experience you've had in this industry thus far? Yeah, so I had a really interesting experience. So I started my schooling November before the pandemic. And then, so we get to March, shut down school, and then it's all online from there. Uh, pandemic kind of got worse throughout the fall. That's when I was supposed to graduate. And I probably... I sent out demo tapes from coast to coast to coast. I applied in the territories. I applied out in British Columbia and I applied out on the, in the Maritimes just to get an unpaid internship. I was willing to move anywhere and everywhere. And I emailed 1061 The Goat, my demo tape, and I accidentally sent it to their music director, Kaylee Mack. And she's just a big sweetheart. Uh, She's at Now Radio in Winnipeg and She's just like, I'm going to send this right over to our, our big director and we'll see what happens. And so he calls me up about a day later. He's like, this was a sweet uh, demo tape. Well, it, you know, obviously needs some work because this, this is, you're, you're, you're young. You're, you don't know what you're doing. So uh, I was working like 12 hour shifts, washing semi trucks, going to school and then trying to get him some demo tape reels as well on a weekly basis. So I was all out. I did my internship. It was January of 2021. It was phenomenal. Uh, If you get the chance to either work or internship at 1061 The Goat as a broadcaster, I strongly recommend it. They are one of the coolest radio stations in the world. Dan Soul, just a legend. That's awesome. And where's that uh, station located? Winnipeg? No, that's uh, that's in Lloyd Minster. So I moved Winnipeg to Lloyd just to just to do an unpaid internship. Okay, 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 right on. Yeah, that's cool, man. Um, I th- I see a lot of uh students that come from uh, like our Nate program, for example, they go to Lloyd Minster. Uh, at a I don't know if it's called this anymore, but New Cap. Okay, yeah, I uh I don't remember which station's right out of there, but yeah, no, I was with Vista. Vista, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, Lloyd Minster seems like a hub for like the launching point for everybody's career. It seems like, yeah, there's been a ton of people that have come out of Lloyd Minster, fearless, Fred, Dave Wheeler in Winnipeg. Uh, There's like a bunch of, uh, those are the two names I know for sure, but they're, they just celebrated their 20th anniversary last year and they brought back a ton of people just to do a quick voiceover thing. And uh, just some big names in Canadian radio. Um, Yeah. I ended up my, I, I got in trouble there actually too, because I was doing a Saturday night show and they're like, just, just go for it. And I uh, criticized old uh, Jason Kenny there. 
Yes, because <laughs> so uh, I actually started off with cri uh, critiquing Joe Biden. Uh, he is just newly elected president because he had killed some pipelines. I critiqued Justin Trudeau and I critiqued Jason Kenney all within the same break. I went right for it. I was like, <laughs> screw it. We're going to go political on a Saturday night. And I got this. I got a paragraph. No, no, not even a paragraph. I got a novel from some guy who's like, you guys and your liberal media, blah, 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 blah. You have never worked a hard day in your life. You suck. The end. I was like, excuse me, sir. I actually just finished pipelining less than a year ago. So kick rocks, first of all. Second of all, <laughs> I didn't just critique Jason Kenney. I went after Biden and Trudeau. That is three. That's two out of the three guys are very left. And yeah, so I went for it. My boss <laughs> killed himself laughing. Uh, big boss man, Evan. He was just so cool about it. He's like, okay, I like the fact that you went for it, especially in this town. But just take the politics from like a nine down to like a seven. And he's just like, it was really good. Like it was a well-informed thing. And somebody heard something. And he just got pissy about it. So let it be. But it was it was pretty cool that he let me get away with a lot of nonsense out there. Yeah, that's cool. So w when you're dealing with hecklers or negative responses, uh, you like to counteract counteract that with humor then, hey? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Like I I I've taken a lot like I was a weak kid growing up. I was very soft and coddled. I was a coddled kid. I'll call a spade a spade. And. So like, you got, either you learn to get tough, you ignore it, or you, you laugh it off. And I, there's been, especially doing hockey stuff, you see the toxic people on a regular basis. And I'm just like, all right, you want to you wanna be a dink? I can out dink you there, friend. So <laughs> I've got, again, like this is just, I get into trouble for it because it's like, you want to push me around? I'll push you right back. And people have been like, he's bullying and harassing me. And like, I, no, 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 no. I gave you exactly what you gave to me. So, you know, I, I guess, I guess turn the other cheek sometimes at the same time. You're uh, when I, I've always thought good radio is guys that challenge everything that's going on and push, push things just to see how far we can get without being rude and ignorant. It's like, if you want to be rude and ignorant to me, I will push back and I will give you the exact same thing you gave to me. Yeah. Hockey Twitter is probably one of the deepest cesspools of negativity like on earth like people are ruthless on there and it's insane oh, yeah. it's insane because like you know like they stay at home and they watch the game and let's be honest when we're all watching the game we feel qualified to some extent to like have some type of opinion on it but some yeah. people some people man they just don't know how to get their opinion across and they just become just total machines <laughs> with no emotions yeah. no no emotions and they and they'll say some of the most outrageous stuff and you're like you wouldn't say that to another human being in person so why why is it okay to say it here and uh, i just i can't get that through my head at all yeah no kidding it's it's a tough hill to navigate on especially like from a broadcasting standpoint because there's probably so many things that you want to say that you can't say and you, it's it's all about just like navigating it in a way so that it de-escalates, not necessarily like explodes. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like you, you don't want to just come out hot and have and just be like, you're a jackass, man, like settle down. But at the same time, you're like, how do I like for the most part, I ignore a lot of that negative negative stuff. But every now and then someone will say something. It's just like, 
it cuts like a knife. And you're like, I don't even know why I'm mad about this, but I am just rattled right now. <laughs> yeah. So Angus, uh, you're pretty far along into this industry now and you've, you've seen a lot and I can say the same myself. Um, what advice would you give someone who's breaking into this industry? What are some of the fundamental skills needed to hone to have success, whether you're being online or not online, on air, uh, writing scripts, uh, being in production behind the screens? Uh, what would you say to them? Confidence is key. Confidence will get you so far in this industry. Uh, whether you are right or not, just have confidence. Uh, that's a big thing that I want to tell everyone if they want to get into the broadcasting industry. If you don't have confidence, get out. It doesn't matter if you're right or not. And always be well prepared. That has got to be one of the most frustrating things when listening to radio these days is people that speak out of their mouth without even realizing what they're saying is, is incorrect. It's very frustrating. Yeah, that seems like a recurring theme, like just in general, people just speaking before they even think these days. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just like, uh, I, I get it. It's like you want to get stuff out and you want to sound professional. So it's got it's that combination of being right while also being confident. One thing I didn't really um, gel with, I mean, I, I could present news and whatnot, but it kind of got monotonous in a way where like, when you report on the same thing every day, because that's what they prepare you for in broadcasting school is basically for news. And then you kind of branch off from there. And um, I just didn't think that that fit very well with me. I like doing what we're doing right now, just kind of unscripted, kind of off the cuff, having a conversation about our experiences. Like that's kind of where I resonate the most. Where would you say your style fits the best? Uh, definitely into this kind of podcasting. Like I've, I've done probably 40 episodes of just, gelling and talking to people. I don't know what your system looks like, but before I get into a podcast, I'll have anywhere between 35 and 55 questions written out just in case. Uh, like, I, I don't know about you, but I've had some pretty rough podcasts where I was like, oh, this is a slog fest. I cannot get an actual conversation going. Like this person, if they were a spice, they'd be flour because they are flavorless. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's where you really have to like dip into the flour and, and just bake something incredible with your uh, ability to create, create conversation. <laughs> yeah. Cause like there's certain guys that I've talked to uh, my cousin, Alex, who is and now a coach in the BCHL. And I think he's a general manager out there as well. I'd have to double check with him, but uh great guy to converse with on a regular basis. He and I have chatted for like three, four hours at a time before. And then I've had him on for a podcast and it lasted 20 minutes. Cause like, all right, cool. Thanks for giving me the hockey player answers there, buddy. Like, <laughs> you know, this is supposed to be a conversation, not just you giving me the most generic hockey answer. So it's like, okay, cool. But uh, yeah, no, it's just uh, when you get those guys who actually want to converse, man, it is the best time. I'm sure you probably had it too on air on the radio station when you have callers coming in and you get the odd person that uh, knows what they're doing, knows what they're saying. You get kind of worried that they could almost take your job because they sound so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> there's this guy that calls me and he lives about an hour away. And apparently he did radio for a little while there and he'll call me. Like he used to call me all the time. He's like, well, here's what's wrong with that break. Da 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 da. I'm like, who on, like at first I was like, who on earth are you there, buddy? Like, I don't care that you used to do radio. You weren't good enough to make it. And then the more and more he talked to me about, it, I was like, 
you're actually doing a better job than my program director has done with uh, my air check. So sweet. I'm going to listen to you. And like, honestly, the moment I started listening to that guy, I was like, oh, just turned my career around like real quick. <laughs> yeah, that's funny how that works, Sam. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You said you did uh, writing for Flames Nation as well. Uh, I've literally just started. I've got one article over at flamesnation.ca. So, okay, hot hot take here. No pun intended with Calgary Flames. Um, are they better off without Goudreau and Kachuk? And- I think they're. I I think they lost something big with Goudreau, but I think they're better off with Kachuk without Kachuk. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, I just I, I like there's certain there's certain guys that's like yeah you're 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 a complete animal on the ice, but he would take it seems like he would take that to the locker room whenever the Flames were losing. So like last year when Johnny Hockey and Kachuk were doing their magic all season long, it was phenomenal. But uh, the moment that they would start losing, like they did in 2021, I was just like, yeah, I wouldn't want Matthew Kachuk on my team. So I think in the long run, this is going to be a great thing for the Calgary Flames. They're definitely going to take a step back. Like, I mean, you're lo- you just lost a hundred point player. And even if uh, you got 80 points out of one of those guys, that's still a huge loss on your front end. So uh, they're going to be better defensively, absolutely, which is going to help them out. But they are not going to have these big blowout games where it's like a 7-4 game or 7-1 game. They're going to have these games that are probably 4-2, 5-2. I don't. Th- I think with their goaltender Markstrom right now, they're going to be looking a whole lot. He's going to be a good. Go- the a, he's a great goaltender to start off with. They've got Dustin Wolf, who's in the AHL right now, who's looking to take Ladder's job. And like Dustin Wolf is one rookie of the year and goaltender of the year. How many rookie goaltenders are pulling off that feat? I know it's just the AHL, but that's unbelievable what he's pulling off there. So I I'm very convinced that the Calgary's defense and goaltending is going to save them from losing that hundred points. And they're going to probably, I'm going to bet they're finished third in the Pacific division this year. Yeah, you could even go as far as to say that they might go back to like their old ways of like the time between like 2006 to like 20, like like pre Goudreau and Kachuk days, where it was they were kind of like a not not really a sexy team. Hard, I mean, they've always been like a hard nosed grinding team, as per like the playoffs when Sutter implemented the exact same style against the Oilers that just did not work pretty much, except for game one. Um, but, uh, no, you, you're probably going to see real, um, real defensive tightness with those guys this year and just maybe less points. I mean, obviously getting Huberto is like substantial. So like, like, I mean, ideally they need like another winger because that's two wingers they lost. So they need to get two more, but Mm -hmm. they also, but they got those young guys like Pelletier, is that how you pronounce it? Pelletier? Yeah, I I think that's how you say that. And, but he's going to be playing middle six, but that's a huge jump from, the AHL where you were crushing it to now you got to play second line minutes, or at least it looks like he's going to be playing second line minutes. And I'm a little bit worried about him playing on that second line, third line. Yeah. I'm a little bit more comfortable with it, but it's just like, you're throwing him right into almost the deep end. So mm-hmm. uh, just Calgary's going to be an interesting team, but you know, old Daryl, he, he knows how to make a team work. As long as everyone's, it has the best cardio of their lives. They're going to be fine. Totally. I really do like Daryl Sutter as a coach. I just, it was kind of questionable the way he handled the Oilers in that series. It just, he just, they got beat, man. They got out coached, outplayed. 
it was simple as that. And they just, they tried to just hammer the Oilers into the boards every chance they got. And I mean, normally I would agree with that, that style of play, but with the Oilers, man, and their relentless nature and the way they played, it was just hard to hold back. And, uh, you know, the rest is history. I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm over it. Like I know us Edmontonians are pretty stoked that we beat Calgary and we won the battle of Alberta and stuff like that. But I mean, there's so much more to prove, uh, this coming year. So I'll take the win and move on instead of just being just head over heels riding that for 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. And like, that's the thing is, you don't. we remember the 06 cup run where we lived on that for how long, especially with how bad the Oilers were for that decade after the 06 cup run. I mean, like, we were like, yeah, you know, it, it, we might, we might be 30th or 28th in the league, but remember the 06 run. That was mm-hmm. great. <laughs> Prime example though, of how things are so good one minute and it can implode in two seconds. And I give, give tree living credit, man, he, that things could have seriously imploded. Like we, the, who knew what would happen after uh, Goudreau and Kachuk leaving? We didn't know that Huberto was in the back burner there. What if that didn't occur? What if they didn't replace them? They would what? be screwed. Oh, they'd be hugely screwed. And I remember when St. Louis had made their trade offer and everyone's like, we didn't make that trade or Cairo and um, Tarasenko and a third for, uh, for Chucky there. So I just, I, I laughed because I was like, you guys just don't know. Give it like an extra day or two. Cause I was kind of heartbroken for the flames when they turned down that St. Louis deal. But then you, 24 hours later, it's like, whoa. You guys just picked up a great defense or a pretty good second pairing defenseman. You got Jonathan Huberto and you got this fantastic prospect like Brad Tree Living saves his job for probably another three years, guaranteed. And you get like basically, I wouldn't say top pairing defenseman, but a pretty reliable top four D man in Mackenzie Weger, who also said he wants to sign long term too. So, yeah. Well, it like blows my mind about uh, Huberto there, just signing long term, not even playing a single game with the Flames, hasn't even like really visited the city of Calgary. He has dinner with Tree Living there, and he's just like, "All right, you sold me on the city of Calgary." So now it's like, are we just gonna move him into like a decent area and just be like, "Hey, there's the mountains an hour away," but you never really get to visit them as a Cal- as a Calgary Flame, but they exist. <laughs> so I, I just want to know how that conversation went when he's just like selling, uh, when tree living sold Huberto on the whole Calgary thing. It would be an interesting conversation. I want to know a, where they went, like, where did they go for supper? Like the keg or something, you know, apparently it, wa- <laughs> it wasn't Boston pizza, which is a heartbreaker. Cause I was expecting a couple hockey guys just to have some uh, tie bites and maybe some cactus cuts. <laughs> You know, you do it all, and then it's like, they've got money. So I'm sure they could have been like, yeah, we want a couple fish bowls around here. We'll just like hammer out this deal right now. Oh, dude, you totally sold me on the fish bowls. <laughs> <laughs> but like, that's one of those things that's blowing me away right now with the NHL is this is really the first time we've heard of a general manager flying across the country just to have dinner with a guy, just to sell him. And I was like, I, if personally, if I was a general manager that I'd be doing that on a regular basis, like my summer would be. I'm taking my two weeks off here in like middle of July. So, you know, don't talk to me, but as soon as I'm on my back on it, I'm traveling across North America, even going out to Europe to go talk to some of these unsigned guys. Be like, Hey, let's just chat. Let's have a dinner. Let's that's something that I think is just so important when it comes to athletes and general managers is there isn't a, you know, it's, there's a lot of players and coaches that converse, but there's not a whole lot of GM player uh, conversations. And I, I personally think that needs to change. 
Totally. And actions speak louder than words, right? And yeah. uh, ironically, with all that, I think Huberto was actually blindsided by that trade. I don't think he knew he was being traded. Nope. No. And I mean, like, I would be so annoyed as a, as a professional athlete going from the tax haven of Florida and going to Calgary. I mean, like, taxes aren't the worst in Alberta, but I mean, when you don't have to pay anything down in Florida, I'm pretty stoked about it. Yeah, big difference for sure. And then, like like you said, flying that far out to meet, uh, that just reinforces, hey, I, I value you. It's kind of, in a way, it's like an indirect shot at the other team that kind of mismanaged the situation, but I got you. Come yeah. over and come play with us. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, not not to sound like, um, like uh, I'm turning the tide here, crossing over to the NB Lions, because I'm an Oilers fan at heart. I'm not trying to sound like I'm sucking up to you guys right now. I just, I know a good city when I see one. Calgary's one of them. And when, I didn't, I didn't appreciate the flack they got about their city, because Calgary's beautiful. And being like 30 minutes, oh, maybe not 30 minutes, like a decent close miles away to to like Banff and, and the mountains. It's yeah. a pretty, it's a pretty awesome city. You know what? I've always had this weird thing about Calgary where I've been like, Calgary is that individual that you knew in high school. You had a big old crush on him. You're like, you're just gorgeous. And then it was like, but the entire time they don't treat you well, that they're just like, yeah, I'll keep you around. And that's always what I've thought of Calgary. Just like somebody that ultimately breaks your heart because it's like, they, they, they have that part of, yeah, we're really cool. We're in one of the best cities in the world, not even Canada, just the whole world. But I just, I don't know. I've lost so many Edmontonian friends to Calgary that I've always just had a chip on my shoulder towards that city where I'm like, screw you, Calgary. But now I've had people that are like, oh, so you're right for Flames Nation. Are you uh, moving out to Calgary anytime soon? Like, I literally just bought a house a week before I agreed to work for Flames Nation. So um, unless I'm getting paid a substantial amount of money, I'm keeping my house in Winnipeg. I'm pretty sure both Calgary and Edmonton's economies are, I guess, as good as they can be right now with with like inflation and the way like the, the global economy is. But for the longest time, I just heard of like how plentiful the jobs were in Calgary. You know, like yeah. there was, there's a wide selection of jobs and I was in the same boat. I knew lots of people that moved to Calgary for work. So there's something to be said there. Well, and like, and Calgary's got like a cool little vibe to it. Like there's always, there's so many coffee shops down there and like good coffee shops and you know, the, the art scene in Calgary Minus the blue ring and all that uh, scrap metal that was welded together. It's, it's got a cool little scene. Mm-hmm. So Calgary is just like, it, it's a dope city and yeah, it doesn't deserve to get uh, a whole lot of hate like it did. But I mean, at the same time, if all you know about Calgary is the saddle dome, you're going to assume that city, you know, progressed to 1989. And that was as far as they ever got. Well, that's the reality, man. They, they need a new arena badly. Oh, hundred percent. Some mismanagement happened there. So, I mean, it's in limbo, right? You need to, you just need a good arena. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, we'll, we'll keep the politics short here, but I just, I've always kind of believed if you are a owner of a sports team, like you should be able to work with the city pretty easily, mm-hmm. you know, just go 50, 50 on it because obviously you're not going to be hosting all of the things, but I've just, I'm always annoyed at the billionaire class. It's like, I don't need to pay taxes. Like just pay your stupid taxes, man. It's not going to bankrupt you by any means. And it would help everyone so much. Yeah. I guess it falls down to like accountability. You know, if you guys all really want this thing, let's all work together and hash it out instead of just, Oh, you're not doing what I want. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like, and I mean, to build a stadium, it's not cheap, especially nowadays where it's like everyone wants the, like they want 
I don't even know what we're up to like 4k jumbotrons. Like, like that's not a, that's not a cheap expense. And then you got to get the concrete, you got to get the seats. I got everything done with it. And you kind of lose something too. When you shut down Rexall place or the saddle dome, you're just like, Oh, like I miss Rexall place to a such an extent. Is this too much of a hot take? Like, I'm, I'm not saying I want Rexall back because goodness gracious, like Rogers place. How can you complain? Gorgeous. How can you complain? Seriously. Right. Yeah. It's, just, it's just there is a difference though from a fan perspective the atmosphere you know what i mean like i feel like that arena is catered to like a certain class of people whereas rexall was for the fan by the fan yeah. uh just immersed in that yeah it went from a, a very blue collar building that was like being held together with a couple rolls of duct tape and you know you throw some laminate on the floor and your collar good but like the way the goal horn sounded in Rexall place we're never going to hear that ever again because it sounds totally different in Rogers because it's a bigger venue and the acoustics are way different so a it's not as powerful and b it's it's multiple horns now because because they had to like boost it up and it just sounds like a bunch of screeching birds <laughs> yeah it really does and like I've gone to a couple concerts at uh, Rogers and it's it's not even the same. It's such like, I know it's like you have all this money to build the best arena possible and the acoustics suck in Rogers. It's like, Oh, you guys kind of killed it. Cause I, I saw blink 182 in Rexall right before it shut down in August of 2016. And I was like, yeah, I was waiting at the back. I was like, yeah, this is awesome. And then the concerts I've seen in Rogers, I'm like, yeah, it's cool, but didn't really hit on the same level as it should have. I've seen some good concerts in Rogers place and don't get me wrong, man. Like I'm happy with it. Like it really revitalized downtown Edmonton and it looks phenomenal. And the whole electric energy, whether it's in playoffs or in the summertime when there's all these festivals going on, it's bumping. It's, it was worth the investment. I'll take it. But uh, I just would like in the future just to have a little more kind of, I don't know, just let it's just less cater to like, like massive luxury and just kind of cater to more blue collar classes, especially when it comes to prices, the prices are outrageous. And I'm sure that's league wide, not just Edmonton, but uh, yeah. Well, like Winnipeg's one of those special cities where they actually cut prices right before the pandemic. And they said like, no, we're going to keep these prices down. Like I think a beer's six bucks in uh, at the Winnipeg arena, six bucks, wow. six bucks. Right. And like, that's what it should be is like hockey, hockey, sports, whatever. Like, NFL, NBA, I don't care what sport you're playing. It shouldn't be to whoever can afford, you know, $400 seats at this point. It should be like, you know, it's 50 bucks to get in. And I get it. Athletes need to get paid. Like you're putting your body on the line for anywhere between three and probably 15 years. You played this sport as a child. You don't, you might not know a whole lot more than this. So it, it is heartbreaking when it's like, yeah, these guys need to get paid, but you know, billionaires want to make their money. And I understand that as well. This shouldn't just be a losing money venture, but there needs to be this kind of, this is for the fans, not for me kind of a thing. So I don't, I don't know. It's tough to explain. No, I, I know what you're saying. It's a business, right? I get that. Totally get yeah. that. But, but I mean, there's a line like goodness gracious. Like, did you know, like, um, I think at one point in time, a couple of years ago, cause I haven't bought a beer there in a while. Cause I just, I've learned my lesson, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, at one point, I think I paid like, it was like 12 bucks for one drink. Yeah. And it's not like you're getting the heroin beers of Rexall place where you have two or three of them. You're just like cross-eyed by the end of the night. It's <laughs> you have a couple and they haven't had that time to ferment the old beer line. So you're like, all right, well, that was the best 
weak beer that I've ever had. <laughs> is that what that is? Because it really had that effect. Uh, okay. Well, well, we would we call them heroin beers, but more or less because the the lines were in Rexall for forty, maybe even fifty years. By the time they shut down Rexall, it was it just literally just had alcohol sitting in the pipes, and it would you would just get more or less you'd have a five percent beer that would get itself bumped up to I've heard upwards of nine and a half percent. Really? Wow. Yeah. So that- I mean, like as a patron, you're not complaining at all, but uh, as security, I'd hate it so much. Yeah, that explains it. <laughs> so cool. Yeah, man. Uh, what are your thoughts, though, on the, the, the Flames being able to get Huberdo locked up so quickly, too? Because everybody was already writing it off like, oh, he's gone. Because he even said in that interview one time, oh, I picked my number for the year. Number 10, right? So yeah. oh, he said the year, that's it. He's gone after the year. And next, the, the day, a day later, he signs that contract. Yeah, and it's, it's funny. Like I, re- I read a lot of these comments and so many people, like, no, they're, he's gone, he's gone, he's gone. This was just a rental. And even if it was just a rental, I was like, you still got Jonathan Huberdo for a solid year. So get him long-term. This is awesome for the Flames. So I don't think they should be complaining whatsoever. Uh, I mean, it's just going to be the last two years that I think hinder the jets a little or the uh the flames a little bit but i mean blake wheeler's been making tons of money for the last few years and he's old so mm-hmm. i i have honestly written that whole fallacy off it's like yeah he might not be producing at a point a game or even above that but he's still doing his thing so you know don't be mad at the contract that he signed he just needs to get paid yeah so um do you think matthews is gone then with this trend of American hockey players playing in Canada that want to go back home? Nope, not at all. There is, unless it is for New York and New York is doing handsomely. Uh, the only way that I see Austin Matthews leaving Toronto is if they don't w- get past the first round. Uh, so that they've got two more seasons to get past there. I, I think what's really happened with a lot of these guys from the 2016 draft is with the pandemic and just the fact that salary cap hasn't gone up. They're signing shorter and shorter deals just to make sure they get paid. It was interesting to see Matthews just sign the five-year deal just to get him to UFA, but I think he just wanted to get paid way more down the line, and he knew that going forward. So he's just like, get me here, and then I bet you he will probably be a $15 million player when it comes to 2024-25. So from his point of view, he made like a good call financially then. He made a brilliant call. Like no one saw the pandemic happening. So I think what he did was probably one of the most brilliant things a hockey player could do in this era. Interesting. I just don't like when they compare Matthews and McDavid because they're two like completely different players. Yeah. It's not fair. No. And I mean, like, really, you should just be comparing like Ovechkin, Line, Matthews. You should be comparing those three together. And then uh, McKinnon and McDavid, they should be compared. And, you know, you just find these good comparisons instead of being like, oh, this guy went first overall and this guy went first overall. So let's compare them. Cause it's like, well, should we be comparing Taylor Hall to, uh, to the Nuge, to Yakupov, to whoever else went first? I know these guys are all Oilers. I'm blanking on any other first overalls here, but you know, it's like you're comparing apples to oranges here. Isn't it kind of depressing to see though, like our, our idols as kids, like Sam Gagne, Jordan Eberle, Taylor Hall, they're all in their thirties now. And they used I to, know. they used to be like the 18, 19 year old young kid lines in on our respective team. The Oilers there back in the day, they were like the future. And now they're just grown men 
kind of still hanging on. Well, I wouldn't say, well, Gagne and Everly are kind of, I think they're just about leaving their primes or if not already. Yeah. I mean, Sam Gagne has been basically an eight, like a fringe NHLer for the last five years. Yeah. And like Sam Gagne was my favorite as a like, great six. I remember watching that draft and be like, this guy, he's going to turn this franchise around. Sam Gagne is going to get the C on his chest. He's going to hoist the cup. And it's like, you know, I was 12. What did I know? I knew nothing, but I believed in Sam Gagne. And yeah, it is a little bit sad. It's like Sidney Crosby's 35 today. Oh, it's like, man. what in the hell happened here? How did that, how did Sid the kid become Sid the man? Yeah. <laughs> I thought he was going to just be uh, 20 forever. <laughs> yeah. Right. And you're just like, that, that guy's going to be young forever. He's going to be great. But uh, you know what? I still respect Sid the kid for doing what he's done. And I would argue that he's still top five, in my opinion, for sure. I, see, no. I, 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 I go top 10, top, top five, still pushing it. But I mean, you look at Alexander Ovechkin, that guy gets to sit in my top five forever, just due to the fact that he is the best pure goal scorer in the NHL ever. End do, you of think, sentence. do you think that he'll break Gretzky's record? It's going to be tough. Uh, if he, if he didn't deal with the lockouts and COVID yes. I think he's going to be pushing it. And I think he stays in the league until he does it, or he has like a year where he only scores 10 goals. So it's probably going to happen. Well, and that's just it too. You said he's going to play until he gets it. Like, and he can, because he's a human specimen. He's jacked. He's uh, at his peak level of fitness. Like he's a, he's a monster. He looks good. Like he's, I think he can do it too. Oh yeah. I mean, he'll be white in the hair if he, when he does it and he'll, that'll probably be the last day he ever plays a game of hockey in the NHL. And I wouldn't be shocked if he goes over to the K to play for um, Moscow I'm blanking on their actual team now, but like he'll, he'll go play in Russia and he'll go win a championship there after he beats Gretzky's re- record is kind of my prediction here. Mm, yeah, no, that's a good call. So speaking of KHL, that's who retired this year. Hey, yeah. Yeah. Good for him for finally shutting her down. <laughs> <laughs> He's like 42. Oh, it's insane. And like, yeah. that's the interesting thing is these athletes are playing longer and longer and longer. It's like, why are you guys like Chara? What is he 45 and still, you know, hoping to pull out, get a rec- uh, contract. Uh, Joe Thornton, he's already signed in Davos. And like, what are you doing, man? Like just, just retire. Thornton signed in Davos. Yeah, I'd uh, just see, like, he's got, like, a a backup contract if he doesn't get signed in the NHL. Basically, he's just going to go play in Davos just to, I think, just finish up the career, probably go win whatever championships out there and call it a day. Okay, interesting. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it could, I mean, he could play another five years out in Europe. I mean, good for him for getting paid and doing what he loves, but at the same time, like, I don't don't know how those joints are holding up. Like, I'm, I'm just about to turn 26 here in a few days, and I'm just like, Ooh, my joints are sore. <laughs> I don't know, man. There's something to be said about leaving when you're on, on top, like Michael Jordan, for example, did you see the, the last dance, uh, documentary? I, actually, I got the, I think I got, what was it? That was a 10, 10 part series. Was it not? Uh, I, I, it, 10. Yeah. It, yeah. 10, I, 10, 10, it, 10 or 12, 10 or 12. 10 or 12. Yeah. I got through eight of those and then uh, I got busy with just life at that point and they never finished it up, but yeah. Michael Jordan finishing on top. Good for him. Like he was still like an all-star at like, yeah. I think he was like 38, 39 years old. And even on that really bad Washington wizards team, he was still like averaging like ridiculous 
points per game. Just did not care. He just knew he was the goat and he was going to finish as the goat. And And you look at, Oh, sorry. Oh, I was going to say like, you look at LeBron. I don't know if LeBron's going to finish on top. I think we're going to see old man LeBron and we're going to be like, Ooh, this is, this is a little bit worrisome to see him finish up the way he is. Mm -hmm. I think that he wants the goat title. And unfortunately MJ gets that until, well, until the real goat shows up, but I still think MJ is the goat. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you on that one. And I'm not like a hockey or a basketball expert here, but uh, just some of the, some of the comparisons that I've seen and stuff like, and even watching that documentary uh, on Michael Jordan, that league in the NBA was so much different than it is today. Like it's hard. It was harder. It was older and it was harder, like way harder. Well, it's like, you didn't get that, uh, you know, the nobody designed your meals for you day in and day out. You had to make your meals and then you got these crappy charter flights and this and that. And like, the NBA, the NHL, major sports of the back in the day just did not have the same, did not the same. So those guys who were the goats back then are legitimately the goats now because they, they had so much more to overcome. I, I don't want to say athletes are soft these days, but they're a lot softer than they used to be. And I get that you're confident and uh, you want what you want. You're, you're a competitive athlete, but I think you need to be humble too. Like mm-hmm. some of the stuff that LeBron said can come across the wrong way. Uh, I think, you know what I mean? Well, like, and, that, and, and if we get back into what I was saying about politics and sports earlier, that guy tries to push himself into politics unnecessarily. It's like, listen, man, I, I like the fact that you're a great basketball star. I like the fact that you run your mouth. I like heels, but when you try to get yappy about what's going on in the world, it's like, eh, please stop. I get it. You have different life experiences, but uh, just there's just aspects of LeBron where I'm like, ah, oh, just shut your yap, please. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you on that one, buddy. hundred percent. Well, Angus, it looks like we're kind of over Rolling our up on the end. <laughs> yeah. We're going to wrap her up here and uh, no, man, I really appreciate you coming on the show, man. I, We've, like I said, we haven't talked in a long time here and it's good to kind of, uh, get the, get the machine working again, uh, get the cobwebs out of there and start talking again. It's nice. Yeah, absolutely. I'll have to, once I get my podcast rolling again, I'll definitely get you back on there. Uh, just once I get myself moved down to Winnipeg officially here within the next couple of weeks and I take my little vacation, I'll, uh, I'll be hitting you up in that way. We can exchange this. <laughs> Sounds good, buddy. I'm more than happy to come on there sometime. And obviously you're, you're welcome back on here anytime as well, too. I enjoy talking to you and there's obviously more things we can talk about, uh, maybe with a plan next time on my part, I just kind of thought we could roll with it today and, and it turned out successful in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. What 80 minutes later. So I, I had a great time. So yeah, thank you so much for having me on. It's been a great, uh, great pleasure. Yeah. No problem. Angus. Thanks a lot. All right. Have yourself a good one there, Zane. Yeah, you too, Angus. Take care. eh? Peace.